0: Hello everybody and welcome back to Talking About Birds, the only Cardinal Podcast that, like Otani's contract, is confusing and annoying to everybody. <laughs> my name is Nate Heininger and I am joined as always by my co-host Ed Samorka. Hey Nate. have an idea for the opening bit tweet us at talk about birds hambone how you doing we're we're deep in december at this point how you feeling yeah
1: uh feeling good i think for the most part um you know it's it's snowed today um uh, uh the the birds are no longer chirping um I got a uh, timer for my Christmas tree. You know, it's really all just looking yeah. uh, like uh, winter, I guess. is, is what I, I'm trying to say.
0: You know, I, I was thinking the other day, I've, I've been watching um, you and I, you and I talk a lot about movies and uh, we were actually talking about movies right before we started recording uh, and, films. I, films. I like to call them films. Yes, of course. Yeah. The art of film. Yes. Mm-hmm. Go to a local theater. Um What's your favorite Christmas movie? Do you have a favorite <laughs> Christmas movie? Uh, what's my
1: favorite Christmas movie? Um, I don't know if I really have one that I'm like. You hate Christmas too much? Well, I, yeah, that, I mean, that's part of it. I think that I don't love Christmas. Uh, we did watch the Gr- Jim Carrey Grinch mm-hmm. uh, recently, and I will say I'm a sucker for Jim Carrey. He could he could, yeah. I think, read a phone book and I would be Fair. laughing out loud. So um, men of a yeah, certain generation love Christmas. Jim Carrey. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And there's just like him eating the glass and uh, he says he's doing it because he's bored and it's it's going yeah. straight to his hips. Like that's just very funny to me. Um, you know, I, I, I'm a Will Ferrell fan too. Elf is is good and fine. I, I watched um, that. Uh, yeah. We watched
0: that uh, last Friday. Uh, so I hadn't seen it since it came out and Molly had never seen it. So oh, wow. we, watched, we watched it with the kids. Yeah, um, it's fun. Yeah, I mean, it's an hour and a half of Will Ferrell being a jackass. So it's yeah. like, you know, yeah, that's great. I can watch that. there, yeah. there, there is something that, like, again, I hadn't seen it in, like, you know, 20 years. Have you seen it recently? Uh, e- Decently, yeah. Okay, so there's the whole, like, lo- like rom-com b plot of the film with him and and zoe deschanel which
1: is so odd because he's playing their child yeah
0: (laughs) yeah i feel like it aged very poorly i think it's supposed to just be like magical christmas realism you know yeah um but (laughs) yeah he is coded as a child end to end there is no there's no moment where he acts anything other than childlike right and so when he went to kiss her yeah, I was legitimately expecting her to be like, oh, buddy, like, oh, that's so sweet. But hey, like, you know, like some and, and instead she's like, you missed. And then he kisses her on the mouth. I'm like, yeah, this sucks. Yeah, <laughs> like, that's this weird. Is, this, is <laughs> this is horrible. Yeah. Um,
1: we also uh, Mary's a, a, a bigger fan of uh, Nightmare Before Christmas more than I am. But mm-hmm. rewatching it, it's it's yeah. great. Yeah, uh, the music's great, the art is great, it, it's super fun. Also, it's like 70 minutes which yeah, I think more movies should be shorter. Um and I'm just kind of looking at uh my Plex server right now. The night before, um I don't know if you've mm-hmm. ever seen that. It's a Seth Rogen Christmas movie, so it's very yeah. like, you know, they're just like doing drugs and getting drunk and like but it's got the heartwarming moments. It's it's fine. Um but yeah, I don't really have there's not like yeah so i don't have to watch gremlins every year or whatever yeah. like I, I i don't have that
0: all right so your answer is the grinch is your favorite christmas movie not surprising uh you just like the first half of the grinch i assume uh, uh that's <laughs> the that's your half is funny although when they make <laughs> him
1: the uh um, the, the Lou who, uh, town mayor, <laughs> Christmas, whatever. I can't remember what they designate him. Uh, and he's playing into that and they're just shoving food in his mouth. It is very funny. I just yeah. like Jim Carrey though. It's really what I, it comes down to.
0: I think I saw that movie twice in theaters and there's only a few movies that I can say that. Yeah. About. I'm not a big rewatcher of anything, but I liked that movie so much when it came out. I went and saw it twice. Yeah. So, uh, but I honestly don't think I've seen it since then. I uh, uh, I would press you to rewatch it. I think uh, it's it's got good bits. Yeah, um, I'll draw out Home Alone, classic yeah. Christmas movie. Yeah, um, Santa Claus, great. I Tim Allen does not
1: tickle my funny bone. Um, but why? Well, uh,
0: he's such a cool guy. I like him for his politics first and foremost. After that, you know yeah. his uh, his comedy is is great. Yeah, yeah. I'll 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 just move noted away from that. snitch.
1: Tim- yeah right didn't he get caught with like a kilo of cocaine <laughs> yeah. driving up from mexico or something like that yeah
0: and and the only re- like the only reason he didn't spend the rest of his life in prison is because he uh narked on everyone else and yeah. almost uh, from my understanding basically everyone that he like turned in is still in prison it was such a big deal damn can you imagine being in prison because of tim allen and then watching it like his rise yeah, yeah. <laughs> Buzz Lightyear put me in prison. <laughs>
1: uh, no, that sounds terrible. Well, he'll yeah. he'll get his. I'm telling you, it'll happen. He'll get his.
0: Yeah, I think so. Yeah, any day now, the 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 fall of Tim Allen. <laughs> All right, let's move on. So, uh, talking about Christmas movies, um, you know now, how are you feeling after? Spending the last week tracking jet patterns, um, refreshing—you uh, know—all of your social medias, looking. What town is so- Shohei Otani in? Yeah. Um, what random member of the press is is uh, being blasted for mis misrepresenting <laughs> something? Um, I, 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 how are you feeling now in this post Otani yeah. contract world?
1: Um, you know, everybody was complaining about how secretive he was being and how he wasn't like, I think I saw Buster Olney say that he should, when he visits these teams, he should go, you know, donate $50,000 to whatever the team's charity is, and he should make it a whole event and blah, blah, blah. But, you know, when, with this vacuum of knowledge, um, and information, it really let everything just run completely wild. And I'll say being a fan of a team who was like never a part of the conversation of Otani's coming to St. Louis. I thought it was pretty entertaining. I thought it was like the fact that we had a opera singer, a uh, member of shark tank, the TV show and an existing um, pitcher for the blue Jays all like wrapped up in these weird multi-level conspiracies (laughs) only to find out that Shohei Otani was sitting in his house um, presumably with that dog that seems yeah. too good to be real. Um, I, I think that dog is fake. Mm. Um, too good yeah, of a boy. It's too good of a boy. It was yeah. It was strange to me. How could mm-hmm. How could the ba- best baseball player also have the best dog? That was, that was bullshit. Weird. Um, Maybe yeah, money I mean, from where I was happened. sitting, I thought it was hilarious. I, I was very entertained by it.
0: Yeah. All the, like, hand-wringing, kind of drove me crazy about the like think pieces of this. This is bad for baseball. The fact that yeah. Shohei Otani isn't broadcasting his thought process hundred percent of the time. Like Le- I, we don't, we didn't really want a Le- Dr- uh, LeBron James, the right. decision. like he got lit up for that, you know? So it's like, I don't know that I, I thought it was fine what Otani was doing and just what everybody was doing to fill the void with all of these, ins- all this insane yeah. Either hand wringing or conspiracy or whatever yeah. was was pretty funny. I
1: I think I, I I what what do I mean to say? Baseball has some of the I think better journalists in sports. Um yeah. it, it there's like a long tradition of it. There is I I I think the average baseball journalist is a pretty high quality writer, journalist.
0: Um, um, until they get a Hall of Fame b- voting ballot, in yeah. which case all bets are off, and it becomes well, that's uh, <laughs> that whole thing of like these guys who have wrote written for baseball in the
1: 1970s, and they've been like a golf writer, but they still think that they yeah. should. It's so yeah. stupid how that all works. But uh, I think the majority, especially the big guys, the Rosenthal's. Um, I'll throw Gould in there. Buster only is decent most of the time. Tim Kirkchen is good. Passan, um, yeah, uh, Passan is great um so many of them are so good and then it's like this like I said there's this vacuum and they all like not not a lot of the ones that I just mentioned were stayed out of this but it seemed the lower the tier below was flipping out I don't know if it was because it's Otani and he's the biggest player in the world and everybody was just desperate for a scoop if it was December and nothing's really happening the winter meetings were disappointing I don't know but uh I don't really care. Like also journalists writing about journalism is um not how you get the clicks from old Benny Samorka. So I'm not <laughs> yeah. I don't care. Um but it was very funny. And like the fact that like um just just the way that it got out of control to the point where so that opera singer was saying that you say Kikuchi had rented out an entire sushi restaurant or something like that, and then to find out that well first like i said shohei otani never left california that day mm-hmm. um and then also to find out that you say kikuchi uh, i was reported that he was making beef stew with his wife and child at home uh, yeah in toronto it's just like we needed it's that fu- it's funny that it got so out of hand that it was reported on what Yusei kikuchi was actually doing that night and of yeah. course it was he was just being a normal person and yeah uh, uh eating food with his family but um or that, uh, that's how big he, otani is
0: yeah the executive from shark tank or whoever it was from I, I don't know that show but like apparently a bunch of people like boarded his plane when it yes. landed and they're like where is he where is he where is he and he's like yes who <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I like
1: yeah. yeah i don't know it's it's entertaining uh it also is funny like Baseball has one superstar, right? That's like he's yeah. he is a star outside of baseball to a certain degree. He's obviously a massive star in the baseball world, obviously a massive star in his home country of Japan. Like, uh, I don't know, maybe maybe baseball and baseball journalists aren't ready for his level of stardom. Like, yeah. that's like it's it's
0: almost too much. They can't handle it. Yeah, maybe. Well, we're going to talk about uh, the contract and how it works and its implications. Hey, hey the, if he's uh, only getting $2 million a year, hey, why didn't the Cardinals do that? Where what, are they at? Where are well, they at? Come up, on. Huh? Anyone could have done that. Um well, we're going to talk about the contract and and its implications and all that uh after the break. We do actually have some uh some rather significant Cardinal news, although not yeah. a lot of actual movement. Um but let's kick it off. The we knew it was coming. We talked about it last week with C70. Um, and I, I have a lot of emotions around this right now. Um, I'm trying to think, yeah, I'm not sure if I'm fully prepared to talk as eloquently as I might normally. You're Um, worried
1: of how, uh, which baseball player is going to make you horny during the season because
0: number one with a bullet's gone now. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. We need, uh, Tyler O'Neill, Mr. Canada jr. Bro, the, the most swole man this side of the Mississippi is, uh, is heading east. Yeah. He was traded to the Boston Red Sox for two relief or for two pitchers. Yeah. Um, you know, again, we saw it coming. And as we said on last week's episode, I think that the Alex Verdugo trade was like a good indicator of what we would likely see as a return for Tyler O'Neill. Even though they're very different players, they have a, a similar sort of valuation, so right. to speak. Um and they, they, they get to their value in very different ways, yeah. but it like totals to the same. Yeah. Yeah. And um and and ultimately that turned out to be pretty apt. And I think those two trades were very, very similar. Um, not just because they both involved the Boston Red Sox. But uh Tyler O'Neill is now a member of the Boston Red Sox, uh ending um one of the more like discussed and just like bigger um like storylines of the last like five years for the yep. St. Louis Cardinals, uh, you know, originally traded for in the Marco Gonzalez trade, who's had his own off season of note, um, which I think is interesting how these things line up and uh, uh, ending ultimately, I think uh, in real disappointment um, as a Cardinal, I think, we will always look back fondly at 2021 and how unfortunately th- this trade, like most trades, but this one even more so, will ultimately we won't know how to judge this for another year or two. Yeah. Um and I I, I do want to talk about the return, but I just want to say, you know, Tyler O'Neal has been arguably my favorite cardinal, like that that like came up. I mean, I know they acquired him, but like, you know, he, he he has spent his whole career at the major league level with the St. Louis Cardinals. Um and I've been a huge fan of him. And while the last two years have been rough, like he's been so much fun. We've not really had a dynamic player like him on the team um before. And I don't really know there's not really like a Tyler O'Neal waiting in the wings for no. the Cardinals. Most teams don't have a version of Tyler O'Neill sitting around and it's disappointing. A lot of it I think is from Cardinal management. I think they've played a significant role in the disappointing end of O'Neill's, uh time as a Cardinal and some of it is his own. I mean, yeah. you know, we wouldn't be talking about this if he had been able to play more games and some of that's just bad luck. And you know, some of it may be his own. He's too jacked he's like uh, his, his, his body shouldn't look like that, <laughs> you know? And, and I think that is part of what has led to some of his own problems. But, um, yeah. uh, I mean, I've been rambling here for a little while because again, my, I've I still haven't, I, I still have not i i am feeling like I have a lot of thoughts and emotions that I haven't really landed on specific talking points about Tyler O'Neill. Why don't you, yeah. Can you share some of your thoughts on this?
1: Yeah, I think, um, yeah, well, to, to talk about the trade from a 30,000 foot view, um what is really nice about this is that the Cardinals traded 1 year of control uh for many years of control yeah. on lesser pitchers. So that that in itself is good I think for the Cardinals and their pitching depth and and the baseball team, the org as they say sure. at large. Um I do think that they're, you know, when you look at Tyler O'Neill, let's let's pick on his last 3 years. I'll start in 2021 where he really popped off and, and had a great year. Um since 2021 Uh, He has uh, raised his walk rate by 3%. Since that same time period, he has lessened his strikeout rate by 6%. And we all know he has uh, 80-grade power. Um, He also has 70-grade running speed. He is a toolsy, toolsy player. um, And I think that because of these tools and because of his batter ball profile, it hasn't always clicked as much as we would like to, but we've seen it click. And I think that there was a very good chance without the. There's obviously an interpersonal issue in between Ali Marmol, Tyler O'Neill, and maybe Moselock. I don't know how mm-hmm. much he's involved in there. I know that there's been background reporting about Tyler O'Neill's dad and Ali Marmol really not getting along. <laughs> to what degree we should take that into account, I have no idea. Right. Um, but like you said, I really like Tyler O'Neill, and I think that the there is a pretty good chance that he's going to put up four plus war in Boston. Uh, I'll remind everyone he is represented by Scott Boris. um, And I would not be surprised if he turns this into a very lucrative year Mm -hmm. for himself. And then the following uh, year, once he goes into free agency, um, and maybe he's a a Boston Red Sox for the next half decade or so. Um, So, yeah, I I think it's disappointing. I think that um, we talked about he's one of the few players on the Cardinals that have a like four, five, six war potential season in them. Mm -hmm. And I think where the Cardinals are in their competitive window, if I was the czar of the organization, I would rather take that bet and I would have rather have moved um, somebody else in the outfield. That still might happen. I think we'll talk about that a little bit later. That's kind of my overall thought here. Um, It's too bad it didn't work out. It seemed like it was never going to work out because of, just the way that it was handled, the interpersonal side um, and health is a skill. Uh, yeah. There's also I, I think there's just as much of a chance of him putting up a four or five war season for the Red Sox as him playing, um, you know, 65 games and uh, really, unfortunately, not making an impact. We'll right. see.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And that's, I think, what ultimately Mazalek and crew are are gambling on here is that What are the odds after back to back years of this same problem that uh, suddenly he's completely back to normal, healthy and has a full productive season? Uh, And when you add that in to the fact that Mazelik has stated one of their uh, one of their stated objectives is to bring more consistency to the lineup, bring more uh, regular at bats for people who they want to give regular at bats to. You know, it makes sense to move O'Neill, someone who you cannot reasonably project the amount of at-bats they're going to get, how often they're going to play, and what position they're going to play. So it makes sense, but I hate it. And I think, like, if you you really were looking at 2024 as a year to try to win a championship, I think having Tyler O'Neal on your team makes more sense than not having him on your team. But obviously the Cardinals are always trying to blend tomorrow, you know, tomorrow's view with three years down the road's view. Yeah. And while that frustrates us, it is pretty consistent with how they've approached things for a long time now. And I think even though we we are huge fans of Tyler O'Neill, like it's obvious that his value as a trade chip in and of himself as a as a single item in a trade well, was not particularly valuable. That's, I think, the other point where Cardinals fans should be frustrated.
1: Like the Cardinals, I'm going to use the phrase pussyfoot. They pussyfooted around wow. the handling of this player. I think that if you would have to tra- put
0: that explicit tag on our show. Thank <laughs> you, Ben.
1: If they would have <laughs> traded him at the same time last year, is his value double? If they would have traded him after his great 21 season, which they would have been inadvisable I think but let's say if they if they made the decision at that point to move on from him his value would have been 10 times I don't don't know but obviously coming off a five war season with that control it's they like let this player be unhealthy kind of drop off and then ship him for one one part that seems like he might be effective and the other part that's kind of like Dakota Hudson light um Mm -hmm.
0: That, yeah, that's well, I, I it, think Cardinals fans should be mad about that. It's it is emblematic or, or represents um, uh bad timing with a number of trades, right? Like with with O'Neal, this is basically like the lowest value he's arguably had in quite a while. So you're you're trading him, you're you're selling low on Tyler O'Neal, whereas trading like uh, a dollies or a Rosarina or whatever, they sold too early. Right. Those guys ended up being way better than anyone projected right. them to be. Um, now, flip side to that. There's a chance that this is like the Luke Voigt trade, you know, yeah. they, they like nailed the right time to trade Luke Voigt. You know, he had another good year or two in him, but it was still that sort of like low value, high power. Like there's a, there's a million of those guys in the league and the Cardinals got, you know, maybe their best reliever of the last Five years from yeah. that, and so there's a world where o- O'Neill goes and has a mediocre season with the Red Sox, and we now have another uh, key piece of our bullpen. And Mazella like nailed it. We we just don't know, but like it certainly felt like this was a sell low, and you you rarely do you want to be in the position of of you know being the one selling low on someone. Yeah, um, so we'll see. It's a bummer um r.i.p to a real one we love you tyler o'neill good luck in yeah. boston
1: i i think boston is gonna love him too yeah
0: i think so too uh he's gonna be eating chowder and bouncing balls off the uh off the green monster yeah uh, it will be interested to see how he does in left field if that's where they play him uh in uh in boston I don't but, know if they've announced this
1: yet, but if, if I was Alex Cora, I would put him in right because right yeah. is such a weird shape yeah. and depth and everything. And he's such a good fielder. Um, mm-hmm. But you know, you put him in left and maybe he stays healthier. And uh, you know, if he, if, if he doesn't win a gold glove, if he's not playing like that, maybe he puts up some great offensive numbers. Yeah. We'll, we'll see.
0: Well, they have an out, they have some outfield uh, competition themselves. Uh, cedeno rafela i think uh will you they've got they've got a you know they've got a few pieces there's a reason why they traded verdugo also um they had some outfield depth as yeah. well so it, i mean he might end up being a platoon player for them just uh we'll see so uh let's talk about who they got back for him um what now matters most to cardinal fans ben you want to yeah. give us a Sort of a breakdown on these guys.
1: Yeah, I think the, uh, the the one that everyone's excited about, and I think for pretty good reason, is the mm-hmm. righty relief pitcher named Nick Robertson, uh, which I had to look this up. He was the only Nick Robertson I could find in baseball. Is that shocking wow. to you? Yeah, it feels like there's six of them, but it's not. No, I like I, I didn't believe myself when I'm searching in baseball reference. I'm searching. In, he's. At, you know, at me on Twitter if I'm wrong. But uh, I thought that that was fascinating. Anyways, uh, Nick Robertson, he's 6'6", 265. That's big old boy. boy. That's a beefy with, boy. He's a massively beefy boy. Uh, he was a former Dodgers farmhand. He was traded midseason in 2023 in the trade that brought the Dodgers Kike uh, Hernandez. Um, uh, so uh, I, I just bring that up to say he's coming from the Dodgers system, which I think mm-hmm. is, is something to be a little bit excited about. Uh, his fastball sits at 95 miles per hour. he has got a slider and a change, uh, but it's really the fastball changeup combination. Uh, if you've watched any video of this guy, he throws a changeup hard. It's like 88, 89, and it has good downward movement. Um, and I think that there's a chance that the slider can improve. This guy's got stuff. Um, he's got a weird delivery. It's all arms and legs. He's a big boy, throws a hard fastball. Um, but that changeup, um, could, could end up being a pretty deadly weapon. And I think that um, it would not be surprising to me if he's throwing in the seventh and eighth inning pretty mm-hmm. early in the season here. I think uh, uh, he's got good stuff. It, it's just, can he uh, be consistent? Can he stay in the zone? Can yeah. that change up be thrown for a strike or close enough to a strike to get hitters to swing over it? Um, as long as he can do that, I, I think this is a pretty good piece. And uh, again, I, I think I mentioned this already, but you're getting... Uh, five six years of control on this guy as well right uh, inclu- including options he's uh you know he's kind of your guy for a, a while which is fun
0: yeah yeah like I, I think a potentially very valuable piece and and we've talked about the Cardinals building a bull bin in a lot of different ways and acquiring uh options in a lot of different ways and while it sucks that this cost Tyler O'Neill I mean it is someone who cost Tyler O'Neill there is some reasonable uh projection of of you know, competence and value here. So, um, I suspect that, yeah, he will, we'll see him early and often as the Cardinals figure out what they have in this guy. Yeah, absolutely. Um, they did get someone else as well. That is all, yeah. uh, less exciting. Um, y- you know, you, y- whenever the, in a trade, whenever the GM or whoever is pitching them as valuable depth for your minors. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you, you, your expectations should be tempered. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Ben, tell us a little bit about this guy.
1: Victor Santos. Uh, he's a big guy as well. Not as big as Nick Robertson, um, but he is a right-handed starting pitcher. He did not pitch a single inning uh, for the Red Sox last year dealing with elbow issue. Uh, he seems to be coming back healthy. He is a fastball sinker guy. He also features a pretty mid slider and a pretty mid mid. Kind of like a changeup splitter um hybridy type pitch. But yeah. he's a fastball sinker. Uh his sinker sits about 92. Um he is known for command. He stays in the zone. Um, but there's nothing that really jumps off the page here. Um he should be available and he should be within the zone. This to me is a uh he makes a lot of sense in the AAA rotation. Um and okay. maybe a spot starter type guy. For the big league club, a guy that you can come up, give you four or five innings, hopefully keep you within the game um and, and then be sent back down. I wouldn't be surprised if he makes his cardinal debut this year, but um, I don't think he uh the ceiling isn't very high is I guess yeah. what I mean to say yeah
0: yeah i I think frankly, if we see him at the major league level this year. Things are starting to fall apart.
1: He he could be a game one starter and a doubleheader. Yeah, but you I know, think for the most yeah, part, yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. I'm and, not excited know, about him. Yeah, um, but, you know, you do. Get, these are games that need to be played and all these teams have to be staffed. And so it is part of the game is bringing people in for your minor league teams and you want those teams to be competitive. So, um, yeah. So that's it. So that the end of the the Tyler O'Neill era ends, not with a bang, but with a whimper. And uh, we wish him good luck on whatever the <laughs> hell the Boston Red Sox are trying to do over there. <laughs> yeah, well, you know they got the
1: new the new brain trust over there. We'll see. But mm-hmm. uh, I, don't know, I like Jaron Duran. I like some players they have over there. They need some pitching. They need to sign a like a Yamamoto or a Blake Snell. But
0: who doesn't? Yeah, whenever whenever the um the trade was announced in that like small window if you're like horribly online like Ben and I are there's a there was like an hour if if even that in between uh the announce the 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 breaking news that Tyler O'Neill had been traded to the Red Sox and before we actually knew what the Cardinals got back um and uh like there was a part of me I think I put this in the bird scored too is like man what if the I, I wanted it so bad to be part of a package for Chris sale. Oh uh, yeah. And of course, of course that wasn't the case. It's quite the opposite. But uh yeah. I saw people on Twitter saying it's
1: going to be like Cutter Crawford or something like that. Like people no. really I think overestimating Tyler o'neill's ex- current value. Yeah. But uh this
0: was about the I think this was a good return for his current value, you know. Um
1: Yeah, it's so. again, it's not amazing, but it's effective pitchers and like 10 to 12 years of service time. And that is, I think people underestimate
0: the value of that. Yeah. And the Cardinals need pitching and arguably we, we, we know we needed to trade outfielders. Was this exactly the, the, like the trade we wanted or the makeup of it? Not really, but it it had to happen. So
1: like Victor um, Santos takes the spot of Jake Woodford and Dakota Hudson, But he's making league minimum rather than, you know, going through ARB and and all that. So, like, it's teams need these guys. It is not sexy or exciting, but that's how
0: baseball go. Yeah. Yep. Um, Well, there's another rumor circulating um, that you and I have actually talked a lot about. And now we have at least we have been banging this drum. Yes. Yes. We have some confirmation that the Cardinals are interested in extending Paul Goldschmidt. Yeah. Um, And I mean, I'll start like we've said it on the show. You just said it again. Like this seems like an obvious thing to me. Like I I know there's a, there's an opinion out there of um, why do it now? Why not let him play out the season, see how it goes, et cetera. And I think there's some, some fine logic around that. Um, But at the end of the day, like I think Paul Goldschmidt should, In his career as a Cardinal, not just for like, you know, legacy narrative things like really that's a small factor in my uh, my thought process around extending Paul Goldschmidt. My thought is that he just had a quote unquote down year and he was the most valuable player on the team. We don't have someone beating down the uh, beating down the door to play first base for the St. Louis Cardinals. I know you could argue Jordan Walker or maybe slide Nolan Gorman over to first base and and that frees up a spot for Donovan. like there you know, there are things that work without a Paul Goldschmidt, but I think why not just have Paul Goldschmidt there? He has the type of profile that we believe will age well. It has already aged well. He is 36 years old and just won an MVP. So we have evidence that he is aging well. Like it just makes a ton of sense to us to extend Paul Goldschmidt. Do it now. Do it at the end of the season. Whatever. I don't care. Um, But he should be the starting first baseman uh, for the next year and, you know, hopefully a reasonable amount of years after that. I think he himself has said he's not really looking to play into his 40s. So like, you know i don't think this deal has to be crazy super long um it just seems obvious like he's one of the best first basemen in baseball like uh, why wouldn't you want him to continue to be a cardinal um ben what do you think fully agree with everything you just said i think
1: his we talked about it his season in 2023 was less lucky than his mvp season but he essentially had the same season i yeah. think that his defense is massively underrated he is a one of the best defensive first basemen in baseball, um, whatever metric you want to look at. Um, he hits the ball hard. Like you said, he's defied the aging curve. He plays pretty much every day. He has only had one year in his entire career. It was in 2014, where he played 109 games. Every other year, he's played 150 plus, except for, of course, the pandemic season. Uh, he's available. I don't think he's going to cost that much, especially at his age. Um, and I think that it, it, would the team be uh, slightly better defensively if Jordan Walker is playing first base? Maybe. I don't know. Jordan Walker's never played first base. Um, yeah. He's definitely never played first base at the big league level. Uh, I, it's not that easy. Uh, Paul Gold. Paul Goldschmidt is, I, I would argue, the best defense. Uh, I'll go back to actor. what I said earlier. One of the best after yeah. uh, Christian Walker, Christian of Walker, course, yeah, the guy who replaced him, um, yeah. which is kind of funny in Arizona. Um, but yeah, I, I I also agree. Like I think that it is highly likely that as Goldie ages, he will keep a high batting average and a high walk rate, um, and it'll pro- the power will slip, but he'll still be a valuable player. Um, I, I have written here on the uh, on the outline. I think we should compare him to L- Adrian Beltre. Um, there's a uh, Justin Turner is a good cop as well, except mm-hmm. for Justin Turner is not as good of a defensive player, but these guys that have these profiles that hit the ball hard, that are good defensively, um, can stay valuable for a while. And I, I'm willing to make that bet. And I think the mm-hmm. Cardinals should too, not to mention like, got to keep these stars around a little bit. Um, I, I know you said like the legacy and the hall of fame and that stuff is less a part of it, but I want to watch stars. I
0: want to watch the greats and Goldie's one of the greats. Yeah. Yeah. I, so I think that those factors are a part of the equation, but um, if you're out there feeling like the Cardinals extending Paul Goldschmidt is similar to our extension for an Adam Wainwright or even a Yadier Molina where, like it was arguably not the best baseball move, but everyone wanted it anyway because of their legacy on the team. Like that is not the case here. This would be extending a very valuable and projected to still be a very valuable major league player, and then you can add on the legacy stuff, which is you know he's a, almost assuredly a future Hall of Famer at this point. And, yeah, I, th-
1: uh, I think that door is pretty much. Pretty much, yeah. I unless he you know, like really,
0: yeah, he's not there yet. But like, so unless he were to retire tomorrow or something, like it seems very likely that he'll he'll get yeah. there. Um, also,
1: like, and yeah. So some... do you want do you want Goldie being a Yankee? Do you want Goldie <laughs> being a, a a Philly or a come on like or cub. I can't do that.
0: Yeah, yeah, I can't do that. Yeah, he'll get signed by someone, and we'll be best. Cause it'll be a competitive team. Cause they'll be like, hell yeah, we want Paul Goldschmidt who doesn't want yeah. Paul Goldschmidt on their team. Worst case scenario, he goes in DHs and it's like, that would be great too. You it know? Would. So yeah, there's no reason not to do this. I, again, I do get like, why now? Why not see what 2024 20, Goldie is in case there is like a complete collapse. Um, but I just don't see it coming. And if you can get him now, just just lock it up and, and get it over with. And I think it can be like, he'll probably do a two-year deal, you know, and then you can do one year after that if he still wants to keep playing. Like, it doesn't have to be crazy. Um, a couple more numbers because you brought it up too. Like, last year, he had a, a better, he had a higher average exit velocity than his MVP season. And he had a higher hard hit percentage Uh, than his mvp season Um, and we talk about expected weighted on bait average a lot Um, it's a really good stat for just basically telling you forget about results what was the process and his uh, his process in 2023 was identical a 0.367 expected weighted on base average In both 2022 and 2023. And what you saw is in 2022, he got very lucky with hard hit ball outcomes. And in 2023, he got slightly unlucky. He overperformed his expected weighted on base average in 2022. And he underperformed it in 2023. But the underlying approach was like literally the exact same. Yeah. And some would argue that those hard hit numbers would actually seem to imply that he's trending upwards rather than downwards. So there's nothing in here short of a sudden age related collapse, which does happen. Yeah. Um, to make you think that he won't be a valuable player in 2024. He was the most valuable player on the Cardinals last year. Yeah. Which, you know, that,
1: that's a whole other conversation. I know it's, but I know that like it's still valuable. Not,
0: still. Yeah. Almost for war. And, He's probably going to get in the 20, like 20, 25 million a year. Mm-hmm. And well, current, current cost of a war. Like that's immediately a bargain.
1: I think that's, that's like the biggest part of this conversation is that I feel like people think that Walker or Gorman is going to slide into first and they're just going to put up four or five war. It does. Yeah. This it doesn't work like that. No, like, there's a reason Paul Goldschmidt is probably going to the hall of fame. And that's because he puts up four or five war every year and he's done it for, uh, uh, almost 20 years at this point. Um, <laughs> yeah, almost uh, 20 not, years. Not quite. Um, a little hyperbolic there. But yeah, <laughs> I, I, I fully, I fully co-sign that. I also think, uh, and this is narrative um, but even in just the time that he's been a Cardinal, he has shown his willingness to make adjustments, to find new bats, find new technology, find new ways to get better. Like he is so actively hungry to stay ahead of the curve to avoiding
0: to, vaccines
1: <laughs> well hey you know he did he's done pretty well post that so no, no we do. And, i mean look at you you're all vaxxed
0: up and you look like Gosh, shit so. shit i've yeah i've only gone downhill <laughs> that just continued to decline though that yeah, wasn't right. the start of a decline right <laughs> um yeah
1: yeah i don't like to talk about that i part. know i
0: i've avoided bringing it up but i i couldn't resist i do moment. hate it though yeah yeah um but anyway yeah you know cardinal legend like this i guess i should say like this can be both a f- fun successful narrativey type thing and also a good baseball move and so it's like oh, to me it's a win-win
1: um, i want to win a championship with gold just yeah i just i think that'd be so
0: much i just want it i want it or i at want least, it i want it i mean he's been to the nlcs as a cardinal we yeah. we've Everyone has collectively chosen to forget the 2019 NLCS. Yeah. Um, But I want to see Goldie Goldie and Arenado together on a deep playoff run. Obviously, a championship for sure. But even just like having them in a competitive NLCS, a World Series, something like that would be so much fun. Yeah, fully agree. Of course, you know, the Dodgers now exist in their capacity. So, yeah.
1: Yeah, they get bounced out in the first round anyways. Yeah. They're going to.
0: I, I've been. Hey, can't gonna, fix that. Show. doesn't
1: have any playoff pedigree. That's he a great even know point. He's doing.
0: It's a great yeah. point. They're going to lose in four to the uh, Philadelphia <laughs> Phillies after uh, Schwarber hits six uh, home runs <laughs> off of Clayton Kershaw, who, you know,
1: hey, but, we'll see if the Rockies let him even take the division this year. They, that's that's a good whole, point. You know, it starts
0: at zero zero night. Everyone's talking about the Dodgers, but let us not forget. The Rockies. Chris Bryant. This is his year. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. So full, full support for the Goldie extension. Hope it gets done. Um, and I bet it will. He signed the extension with the Cardinals immediately on a on a team friendly deal. I can't imagine now would be the time where he decides, never mind, I'm gonna I'm going to test free agency unless yeah. he's just pissed at the Cardinals, which right, which is wouldn't blame him fully for. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, those seems unlikely. Um, Okay, so a few more Cardinal related topics. You know, some chips are starting to come off the board. Um, rumors are flying now that Otani is uh, is signed. the uh, The next one is, is the, the Yamamoto sweepstakes is still rolling. The good thing about the Yamamoto thing is that his posting window is, is relatively small. I think it was 45 days and has been going for a couple of weeks now. So we should get an answer to where Yamamoto is going to go pretty quickly. Um, you know, everyone has having a great time because new bars out there hanging with him again. That's our best hope at this point. Cause it yeah. seems like everybody is still in on him. There was some reporting that the Cardinals are in on him, which isn't a surprise. We've known that. Um, I think the doubt is that the Cardinals are a top suitor there are rumors of his um his ask has become quite a bidding war i've seen talk that it is approaching 300 million dollars for him which i do feel like means the cardinals are probably out of it um but there's still a lot of other options out there how are you feeling about the the rotation and and the cardinals options right now <sighs> i well
1: i obviously if i if i was in charge i would do everything I could to sign Yamamoto. I yeah. think that that's, that's the the number one. It more just comes down to where I'm happy where the team is going for the most part. Um, But I am my number one concern is the rotation and the depth in that rotation. And I think why we should feel optimistic is because Yamamoto and Ima, Imanaga have not signed. Uh, Dylan Cease has not been traded. Uh, we'll see. I'll try to pay attention while we're on this uh, on the pod right now. But it seems like glass now is uh, highly likely to be traded to the Dodgers, which is just so annoying <laughs> if you're yeah, a Cardinals fan it. or any fan that's not Dodgers. But um, yeah, I, I just I really I, I feel strongly that the Cardinals need to make one more move and I am confident or I am OK rolling the dice on the, some of the old, other old guys. I'm okay yeah. with Zach Thompson being in the conversation to some degree. I am not okay with Steven Matts and Lance Lynn anchoring the back end of the rotation for 162 this year. And I just think I, I think it should be Yamamoto as we talked about. Like there's anything to learn from this Shohei Otani uh uh signing. It's the teams have a lot of money. And I know the Dodgers are the Dodgers and they're at the top. Mm-hmm. Um, not only do they have a ton of cash, a good TV deal, and they're well run, but these teams have a lot of money. Build a wit is worth four billion dollars. Um yeah. the Cardinals can make this happen. Um, they they really should make this happen. It is their biggest weakness. It would be the silver bullet to their problems. It would get people, dummies like Nate and I off their backs, at least for a little while. Um, but we need to see something.
0: Yeah, I agree a hundred percent. Like right now, I feel like we are maybe a Tick better than what we went into 2023 as. Like I'm more confident with this rotation than I was in 2023. Yes, but not not by a lot, you know. And so, like as we saw in 2023, doesn't take a lot for this whole thing to start to collapse. Um, but I do think they're in a better spot. But w- just one more starting pitcher of of note, I think we can go into this you're not obviously we're not going to compete with like what the dodgers are doing or what what the braves are doing but like if we can get one more good starting pitcher i do think you go in saying like we're a top six team in the nl and does it in that way well we'll find out you got to play the game so on and so forth Uh, right right now I think we're we're right at that edge of we're like at the top of the middle, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, um, it, it's it's clearly
1: the Cardinals biggest gap.
0: Yeah. And there's multiple solutions out there.
1: There are which so. and this kind of leads me into wanting to talk about what I I was kind of I've been thinking about this over the last week where I think the Cardinals second biggest issue is right now, at least with the current roster construction um, and currently. If you look at the team, the likely bench for the Cardinals is Ivan Herrera, which totally makes sense. Very happy about that. But then we have Richie Palacios, Alec Burleson and Dylan Carlson. My biggest issue with that is that those are three players that are kind of the same guy, Mm -hmm. obviously different shapes and sizes and all that kind of stuff. But they're all three outfielders. Dylan Carlson's the only one that's a really good uh, defender. Uh, Richie Palacios I think the the uh, we're the jury's still out on that we'll see um by the way he's played some second base in his career curious to see what that looks like but it, we're kind of back in the spot where okay we don't really have an infield option Brendan Donovan is he going to be DHing is he going to be playing infield is he going to be playing outfield i think that they need to diversify the bench a little bit and i think that that is something that you can do extremely cheaply um and, and go get a veteran who has a good yeah. glove that you can bounce Let around the see. infield is I, oh. Corey
0: dickerson
1: <laughs> no more outfielders to nope top. that's what getting away
0: Ray from dickerson that nationals uh i can't tell i think he's retired <laughs> yeah okay um, yeah, yeah, I agree. I mean, so all of those guys that you've listed are major league level players, right so we're we're basically you're we're calling for one more trade where you ship out somebody
1: from this list. I just the roster construction doesn't make sense that's mm-hmm. that's really what I'm getting at like you have too many people in in the they have too many redundancies in the same spot, and a move a move. I
0: think a move should be made. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, well, trading Tyler O'Neill was one of them. You know that cleared up one spot, but there's still too many uncertain outfielders on the team, and and you don't have him on your list here. But I think there's a real shot that Victor Scott is a Victor Scott the second, Victor Scott two is VC two VC two or VS two VS two. (laughs) I know how Scott is spelled. Yeah. Uh, VC2 sounds a lot better, though. It does. Uh, I had to track down a VCR the other day. Okay. You know, what, you know what's annoying? They're super expensive now.
1: Because they should no be. One, yeah. Punish idiots like you.
0: <laughs> no, uh, you know, I... Uh, yeah, I deserve I, to be punished for wanting to find a VCR. <laughs> for, I, my, for a project for my mom.
1: I, I actually have no room to talk. I recently bought a CD player. <laughs> why because i have i have my own reasons but you love the,
0: you love the uh, fidelity of uh, uh
1: yeah essentially
0: <laughs> no it's not better than anything
1: yes it is hmm i disagree
0: uh, well you're wrong mm, read I'm a book you... you i've read do i need to point my camera towards my library <laughs> oh my god <laughs> Uh, so what are we even talking? Victor Scott. So I think he is also going to play a role in 2024. And so that's another outfielder and one with arguably more upside than any of these guys. So you'd want to play him over most of these guys. So, yeah. Um, I mean, I I, I still have hope for the Alec Burleson, like package that gets, that is the center of the Dylan cease trade or, or something like that. Yeah. I, I think Brendan Donovan, and I love him.
1: I think he's a great player. Mm-hmm. I love his approach and everything like that. I don't think he's a great defender. Um, I think that you know roster Older resource
0: one Brendan Donovan. Well, that's
1: yeah. I have thoughts on that, yeah. but um, we'll take it as a as a Cardinals podcast. We'll take sure. It. But anyways, I just, I think that he makes the most sense. I think he fits in with the team the least. We have. Uh, I think Tommy Edmond would be a better second baseman. I think Nolan Gorman would be a better second baseman. I think that getting Jordan Walker at bats at DH, Nolan Gorman at bats at DH, Wilson Contreras at bats at DH make more sense than just handing it over to Brendan Donovan. I also think that because of his previous production and his control that he can actually go get you a Mm -hmm. Dylan Cease, Tyler Gilbert, whoever the flavor that you're uh, Edward Cabrera, whoever you're looking for. like we say all the time like you have to give up you know value to get it back Mm -hmm. I think he is the misshapen puzzle piece that doesn't really click in um and uh I would that go well yeah I'll just leave it there that's the move I would make
0: yeah well I've seen this debate too where it's like okay do you trade Brendan Donovan or Nolan Gorman for a young controllable starter and I agree with you like it has always made sense to me that Donovan is the choice there. If it is really a binary choice like that between Gorman and, and yeah. Donovan, it seems kind of easy to me that you would, you would trade Brendan Donovan over Nolan Gorman.
1: And I think a pa- a Dylan Carlson, Brendan Donovan, uh, as you're the beginning of the package to get a nice controllable starting pitcher is, is pretty competitive. The, mm-hmm. the service time, Dylan Carlson, the potential in the glove. And then Brendan Donovan, I think is a bit of a known quantity at this point. so, I, yeah. I, you know, maybe, you know, tweet at us if we're, we're having two uh, uh, uh Cardinals uh, uh rose colored glasses on that thought. But I, I think that that can actually get you a, a
0: pretty nice player. Well, he was Donovan was nearly a four war player in his rookie year. And then before he got hurt last year, it kind of felt like we were seeing like a, the next leg up for Brendan yeah. Donovan, um, which is part of why people don't want the Cardinals to trade him because but like you, you do see this where it's like, his obp and if suddenly he's popping 20 home runs a year or two it's like and his utility uh his ability to play everywhere like it's a truly valuable player you know but um, like get
1: while a player's stock is rising trade mm-hmm. him to get a piece that you need rather than mistiming it the other direction is that's that's kind of my thought process
0: yeah and again unless, i want to be clear i like next, Brendan like- donovan sorry unless he's like the next Ben Zobrist and it's like oh shit we shouldn't have traded him well but maybe it's still worth it because we like if you can get a a Logan Gilbert I don't think there's ever I don't think they're trading him but yeah
1: well uh, maybe Brian Wu and I guess what my point is like the Cardinals don't need a Ben Zobrist mm -hmm. they need pitching (laughs) yeah (laughs) they have position players they have a decent offense it's not what they need
0: yeah totally you just it fans have a hard time giving up the everyday player yeah, for the pitcher i, I get it yeah um, but yeah totally like you know see i don't know if you've seen some of the the stuff out there that people want that um the white Sox asking price for like a dylan sees you know it's like Tinkents and a whole bunch of other stuff yeah you know i would much rather like the mariners could really use a Brendan Donovan. Yeah. You know, and uh, I know their outfield is weird, but an Alec Burleson could fit there too. You know,
1: I mean, they had a, they had one of the worst OPS pluses from the DH position last year. Like if Alec Burleson just came in and was DH, that would be a help for that team.
0: Yeah. Well, there's still a lot of time left in the off season and there's still a lot of free agents. So I think there's going to be a lot of news over the next few weeks. Um well actually it's probably gonna s- slow here for a week or two as everybody uh goes into the holiday season. Yeah. But um because of the Otani stuff, like I think this this uh off season is is really gonna drag for a while. And so um, you know, the Cardinals definitely moved fast on some of their priorities, uh, but I think still seems like there's there's something else coming down the line. Um anything else? Cardinal related you want to talk about before we go to the break? Oh, I
1: I know Bernie was telling me earlier this week. Uh, Bernie Nicholas was telling me how aggressive and how locked in Mosellock is compared to other years. And, I mean, um,
0: you know, Lynn and Gibson, oh man, it's a good that we got there first. Is aggressive the right word? No, I mean, I don't know. Like aggressive in that they acted first. Sure. Sure. But I can't. I don't think that Mazalak has an aggressive bone in his body. <laughs> was he elbowing
1: other clubs out of the way so he could get that Kyle Gibson contract locked down?
0: Yeah, he was I don't like think so. He, his bow tie was spinning like a saw blade, cutting yeah. through all the red tape to get those Lynn and Gibson contracts done. Yeah, light him up, Nate. Yeah, I think there's a possibility that the Sunny Gray deal ages like immediately looks like a bargain. Yeah, you know, oh, no, I,
1: I do think uh, we we talked about it uh, the week he signed. I, I think, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. Other than the Otani deal, I wouldn't be surprised if people are saying that was the best signing um, from mm-hmm. a value standpoint of of the off season.
0: Yeah, especially if Yamamoto does end up in the three hundred plus million. Like Ooh. it's going, it's going. Yeah, so yeah. You right. know, I have a really quick. Uh, I'm sorry. I've something I've been thinking about is
1: and. Tell me to shut the hell up if this is like well tread and I've just missed it somehow. But is the market is is there a market inefficiency of signing these super high-end players, the super expensive contracts? And my thought process being like, it's these players that are going for $30 million a year plus, right? They're players who you are making the bet that they're going to put up four, five, six war, maybe more, maybe win an MVP, right? Mm-hmm. But like the salary is kind of capped. It's not really matching. Like if Shohei's putting up 10 war a year, he's not getting paid a hundred million dollars. Right. So like is the inefficiency, it's finding those low level guys that have that that pop off and put up two, three war, but also is the inverse true on the high end players? Like you're paying Bryce Harper. I don't know what he makes off the top of my head, but you're paying him 30 million bucks a year or whatever it is, but he's consistently putting up five war like that is surplus value year after year that's pretty significant are am i is this do we know this or am i am i just catching up and i'm just an idiot but you know what i'm trying to say
0: i think the way i think you framing it as a market inefficiency is maybe not how it's often discussed but i think the idea that signing big name players to high dollar contracts has been viewed as a high risk high reward Uh, like proposal
1: for a while now
0: yeah Uh, you know and and that like high reward doesn't necessarily get framed in that way as much as you're putting it the like dollar to war return right but there's a reason why everyone is pursuing those guys and they do ultimately get those giant contracts because they are the most likely to return excess value but the risk is so high because you're contributing especially if you're not a major market team you are um committing a quarter, if not more at times of your overall budget to one guy, hoping to get that like sixty million dollar surplus when you paid them thirty, yeah, and they put up nine war like hell, yeah, that is like they paid for their entire contract maybe in that one season, but when they don't when they get hurt or whatever it might be, now you've committed you know your your team right. is tanked, right so the
1: Cardinals could be that team and they have Mm -hmm. refused to be that team. And I'm, I'm like, you know, to focus it specifically on Mo and co like, are they missing that aspect or are Mm -hmm. they just so risk adverse that like you look at Mookie Betts, he's making $30 million a year. That's a lot of money. He's exceeded that value. Each Mm -hmm. one of the years he's been with the Dodgers. Um,
0: Yeah. Well that, I mean, the Cardinals could double their payroll and still be a profitable team. I'm sure. It, that's one of the inherent flaws of like having this sport be driven as a capitalistic endeavor. Right. Right. So, hmm. which we'll talk about in the <laughs> after the break here, I've got some thoughts. Okay. On the, yeah. Sorry about on that. The, I on just the had Otani. To... Yeah. But, um. but yeah, I mean, yeah. Oh yeah. Go sign, go pay good players, good money. It'll make your team better. All right. So we want to talk <laughs> about uh, other. <laughs> We want to talk about a lot of things around the league. Um, but before we do, we want to remind our listeners that this show is listener supported on Patreon. Patreon.com slash talking about birds. Listeners or patrons at every level get access to our private Discord server. It's the bird score. Tweet, tweet, baby. We've got a lot going on in there right now. A lot of conversation. Uh, you know, We're checking jet. Uh, uh, lanes, we're, Yo, we're way to we're, land I, that. We got yeah. people busting down doors, checking what kind of stew is being made. We're on the ground in the bird score, and you can be too by joining our Patreon at any level. We also have cool shirts, and you get one if you sign the sign up at the Patreon at uh, one of the even just one up from the lowest level. We're practically giving them away. It, you're losing money by not joining the Patreon at this point. <laughs> Uh, the bird scored is a great place to uh, connect with other listeners and get away from all the, the noise of social media and people dropping insane rumors. We'll filter it for you. Only the best rumors make it to the bird scored. That's right. Uh, let's see. Oh, you can you can also call us. Leave a voicemail. 84848 birds. Questions, comments statements, anything you want to to tell us, 848-48-BIRDS. And Hambone, it's at this point that I need to issue an apology. <laughs> so last week when we were talking about the phone number, we talked about two calls that we got. One, I played part of it on the show. It was a bit. Thanks for the call. And another one where I thought our listener just called and yelled kangaroo, which I also <laughs> thought was an insane bit. Yeah. Uh, Well, they called back uh, in the thing that you never want to do as someone who's trying to be funny is they called back to explain the joke. Yeah. And to that, I am sorry. They yelled, (laughs) but I I think it's, I think there's a little bit of fault on both sides here, but they yelled, they simply yelled, bangaroo. Yeah. Not kangaroo. Mm -hmm. And bangaroo was a contribution to a game that we played that was in the post credits so to speak of a previous episode. So it's a real deep cut. So first of all, thank you to the listener who made it all the way through and then called us to contribute to the game. Um just screaming it, you know, I I like I did not remember that that we had done that that was in the episode and that this might be a a contribution. So that's on me. Yeah. And I will say that Bangeru is a fantastic uh edition and i think it's a i think it might be the winner for you ben bangaroo wow. that's pretty good yeah um yeah, so, yeah and i guess I'll, I'll just take this
1: moment to say that sometimes nate sneaks little snippets in after the episode and i uh i'm unaware
0: of it until times <laughs> uh like this where it's thrown in my face it's not always there it all depends on what gets cut from the show and what you know so yeah so, yeah, thank you for calling one with a contribution to our dumb game and two for the clarification of your previous call. Yeah. So uh, anyway, eight, four, eight, forty eight birds. You know, what's also funny. Um, I've been getting a shit ton of text messages to that phone number. Yeah. From a like a spam bot thing. And so there's something out there. This I had actually had this number for like two months before I talked about it on the show. Um, I just like locked it up. You got to lock up eight four eight forty eight birds oh, as soon man. as you see it. Yeah. Um, and no, I had never received a single thing to it. And as soon as I talked about it on the show, uh, I get these spam text messages. So there's something out there. Some company is is like spider crawling transcripts of every podcast, looking for phone numbers to send uh send spam to which i just thought was interesting that our show ended up in this like spider network you know
1: that's how you know you've made it in the podcasting game
0: yeah or one of our listeners is a jackass
1: (laughs) (laughs) just don't sign us up for
0: political calls yeah um well ben if people want to follow us otherwise where can they find us online Follow us on the Twitter at TalkAboutBirds.
1: We are on Instagram at TalkingAboutBirds. This show is available on Spotify. Listen to us on Spotify. Uh, we have a TikTok. Come and check us out on TikTok. Uh, Birds at gmail.com for any questions, comments, concerns. Uh, obviously, you can go to 848-48-BIRDS uh, if you want to just leave us a voicemail, as Nate mentioned. Uh, and you can find all of that information at TalkingAboutBirds.com talking about birds.com
0: all right let's we're, we're gonna do the whole league news segment but let's start with the the otani deal and i want to yeah. get into some of the specifics because Shohei otani signs for 10 years and 700 million dollars
1: end of story nothing else yeah. to talk
0: about it's a fascinating situation um and there's a lot to unpack here. And so I thought it might be helpful to some of our listeners if we do try to simply break down how this contract actually works and its implications. Yeah. So I'm going to run through a couple things and then Ben, you fill in where I where I miss out. And then I want to talk about the like broader, like what this is means for the league and what, what, what we may see down the line. Sure. So, 700 years paid out over 700 million paid out over 20 years. For the first 10 years, his salary on the books is $2 million a year. And then for another 10 years, this is the deferral part, he is paid $68 million a year. And that is all true. And one of the other benefits of this is that the way deferrals work is that uh, you are taxed based off of where you live when you are paid the deferral. So not only is he paid $68 million later, he can move out of California, which has a high tax rate. So he gets a lot of tax benefits from this. So it is $700 million with 680 of it deferred for 10 years. Now, the way these deferrals work though, is the team does have to put a portion of this into an escrow account. And so from my understanding, for these first 10 years, while they are not paying Otani directly, uh, you know, 70 million a year, they do have to put something like $45 million of it a year into an escrow account, right, to save for Otani. And from my understanding, that can be in an interest-bearing account. So the, the, the Dodgers can actually, like, save off of this money and And lighten their load, but that money is also goes against the c b t the competitive balance stuff. so it is not simply two million dollars a year, and then suddenly sixty eight million a year, right like the Dodgers are paying a good majority of this right now for the next ten years and then ten years after that um so it's not something as clean as they only have to pay two two, two two, two, two and then sixty eight sixty eight sixty eight but of course, they have so much money, as this reveals, and we've all known for a long time, that it doesn't really matter. But that's how that works. Um, what am I missing here, Ben? I know there's a lot of details in this.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, that that that, that is the the long and the short of it. Mm-hmm. As Shohei has said, as the Dodgers have said, he was willing to make this move with other teams It was brought up to the Giants, it was brought up to the Blue Jays. Um, essentially with the th- being on the angels for so long, essentially he wants to guarantee that his high pay, well, I think it's two factor. He wanted to be the highest paid. He wanted to set the record for the largest sports contract in sports history. Now you and I, and our listeners I also know set
0: that record, by the way,
1: uh, who wouldn't, Yeah, you and I know that he did, but he didn't really, it's different. Mm-hmm. Um, but he did the, his agent, the, the press release went out and I think a casual baseball fan looks at that and says, oh, my God, 700 million dollars. So it, it beats Messi. It beats any other sports contract that's ever existed. So I think there's one part of Shohei that really wanted to do that. The other part of him that wanted to remain competitive uh, within his baseball team and not hamstring his baseball team. Obviously, when you're going with the Dodgers, you don't really worry about hamstringing them because they have more money than anybody. So it's it's not really a big deal. Um And I think it also like the other factor of this is, or what am I trying to say? I don't think that this is going to be a problem. Um, I don't think this is how baseball is going to go because 99 players out of 100 would say, no, I want that money so that I can put it in a high interest account Mm -hmm. and make my own money off of it right now. Money now is always worth more than money in the future. We've talked about that a thousand times but no other player in baseball has the level of sponsorship deals that Shohei Otani does not only in America, but in Japan, he can make more. Um, so he, he made reportedly $40 million from endorsements last year. Mm -hmm. And that was on the angels. He's now going to, uh, one of the two biggest teams in baseball, um, in the city, uh, in LA, which obviously he was still in. Um, but, uh, like his I think his endorsements are going to go through the roof. Like I, I'm all over the place right now. But yeah, this is a unicorn player, a unicorn contract, a unicorn situation. Um I, I don't I'm not worried about it breaking baseball. I do find it annoying. Um and I think it is important to note what you're talking about, though. Like it's not like not every team is going to go, oh, we're going to do this with all of our players and we're just going to sign all the best players and we're going to have a super team because of that escrow factor. It's still money that you can't touch. You can invest it, um, but it needs to be set aside as part of the CBA. So I don't know. It's, is it annoying as a fan of not the Dodgers? I think so. But I think I'm more annoyed by the fact that he's a Dodger than the way that the deal is shaken yeah.
0: out. Yeah, well, the fact that he, that this was Otani driven, that he actually made basically the same, it's, he's so good and he's so popular that he's making offers to these teams, you know, it's not the other way around. Right. But he made this exact, basically this exact same offer and then multiple teams were agreeable to it and then he chose the Dodgers, which like, you know, of course, what I think it, most players probably want to play for the Dodgers right now. Right. Um, So it does make it like it's a little bit less about the Dodgers because most Um, teams could have done this.
1: Um, I saw that the Dodgers have made the playoffs every year that Shohei Otani has been a professional player. And that includes when he was in Japan.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, they're 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 the class of the of the of the league at this point. Right. Um, So. And deferrals are not uncommon. This is the most extreme version of it, but the Cardinals are currently paying deferrals. They are paying Matt Halliday $1.5 million a year until 2029. Um, Adam Wainwright will be the recipient of deferrals. Nolan Arenado is the recipient of deferrals. So the Cardinals have done this. Um, it's not uncommon. The, this degree of of balancing is extreme. And I agree that I think you're right and that we're not going to see a ton of this. I think maybe we see a little bit more of it in these teams that are trying to form these sort of like super team moments like that in this sort of unicorn opportunity where an MVP level player hits free agency. Yeah. You know, like that just doesn't happen that much. Not like this, you know, and, um, and someone who is, well, Otani has a legitimate case to be called the greatest baseball player of all time. And so like, wh- who knows if we'll ever see that again. So it is, it is a very unicorn moment. And, like you said, you have to pay a lot, like money is worth more now than it is tomorrow. So, um, there's been some people who've done some, some projections on this, um, that if they had just paid it all up front, um, and not deferred it for the the bulk of it for 10 years, that really this equals out to, uh, 10 years and $460 million, which if Otani had signed that, you'd, everyone would be like, congrats, you know, like that makes sense, right? Like that biggest contract in baseball history. It's when it got to the seven hundred million. It's when I I there's something that I want to talk, but you you been well, making faces at me. I, that's what's so funny about this
1: deal is because in reality, it's essentially the same thing when you're the Dodgers, right. Or Otani. Now. Yeah. Like, should be clear, Otani is going to be paid $700 million yes. over the next 20 years. That, that is going to happen. But as far as real world value, like what, I guess my biggest question, and is it just because he wanted to show everybody how big his dick was that he went for the 700 over 20 years? Why didn't they just sign the 10 years for $60 million deal? Like, why was,
0: what was his motivation? I it's because he wants the massive contract, but he wants the Dodgers to be able to have some flexibility right now. And, but what I'm saying is like, since they have to put that amount, they're putting $46 million
1: away every year. That's the CBT hit. That's, that's what's happening. Like it doesn't actually change their flexibility.
0: Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like this actually kind of speaks to where I think that this, there is a problem with this deal. And I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be a little soapboxy here, and I don't know that I'm necessarily gonna explain myself perfectly. So I'm sorry if I'm a little um, inconsistent with what I'm about to say. But I, the fact that the number is so absurd, and then we start to hear all these little like. Uh, well, it is this, but it's kind of this much, and then there's the taxes and the da da, da, da da and there's all these little details that make this absurd amount of money sliced and diced in a million different ways. Um I think it may it's it's bad for the perception of the sport. Let me go on a little bit. the right now, we are in a a, a period of in increasing wage and income disparity, right? And when people are looking around for where they're going to spend their um, increasingly small expendable income, and you see these things, that this guy is going to be paid $700 million, and he has set it up in a way, him and the team have set it up in a way, where he's going to be able to pay less taxes on it, and that The team is going to be able to earn interest on the deferral and everybody's going to walk away with an insane amount of money and be able to, in a way, skirt the rules of the current structure that will allow them to still build a, a competitive team. You can see why some people might just say, this whole thing is bullshit. I don't want anything to do. With this insane rich man's game, where they can just mm. throw money like that and also manipulate it in a way where the where they win even more, you know what I mean, and I think you're seeing some backlash to this uh contract in that way, and I think that that is fair. I think that it impacts how people perceive. Their willingness to even get involved in the sport of of baseball because it's such bullshit that there's so much money and they're able to uh, like manipulate it this way. Now that said, like I know that like we actually want the players getting more money because this money already exists and it should go to them rather than just continue to sit in the coffers of these billionaires. So, like, I like, like, I'd rather Otani have $700 million. He's done something. He's maybe the best baseball player of all time. than you know, the owners just having that money and collecting it from everyone. And they're going to increase prices anyway, so might as well go to the players. Like, I get that. But when you, when you zoom out and you look at the people who are, like, potentially baseball fans or, or like, the younger generation right now who are bombarded with, everything all of the time why would you go to be a baseball fan when it looks like such bullshit (laughs) so like i I, like that's part of where i think there's a there's a real problem with stuff like this and i don't know what the solution is because i want the players making more money they should make more money but it's this contract and it's the fact that it's so enormous but then all (laughs) these little things that make it even more complex and more bullshit like you said it 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 doesn't matter if the Dodgers pay 700 million over 20 years or 450 they have so much money it doesn't matter anyway and so it just it's like yeah I don't know. I, well, I'll get off my soapbox, but like, does that make sense? I I think what you said makes sense. And I'm just
1: going to counter argue it for the sake of counter arguing it. But I I think what you said makes a lot uh, uh, of lines up. And I think people feel that way. Uh, I also think that there's another group of people that go, oh my God, I need to check. Who is this $700 million Japanese baseball player? I need to watch Dodgers games. This is exciting. This guy. He makes more money than Messi, he makes more money than anyone in the world, that he plays in L.A. I need to learn about Shohei Otani. And I also think that like the like us freaks and the freaks that listen to this show, like you, we care about the intricacies of the contract and how it's being paid out and why that's important and what that does to the Dodgers and why other teams didn't do that or, or wouldn't do that or whatever it might be. Um, but I think your average fan, your average American um, just looks... Holy crap! Shohei Ohtani got seven hundred million dollars to play with the Dodgers, and that's that's really going to be it. Um, but but I hear what you're saying. It is. It, it's also like Shohei Ohtani is on TV 160 plus days a year. Um, and who the hell's the Guggenheim Group? There's no <laughs> face. You know what I mean? There's no yeah. face to the name. It, it's much easier for people to point at this and say or to get angry or, or to feel a way about it because he's right. He's right there. He's in front of my yeah. face. And
0: well, you know hey, what? He's, he struck out three times today. We're <laughs> yeah. paying this guy how much. And, and I get what people I don't know are saying. Was... Like <laughs> that voice, but
1: like, he's yeah. not adding community value. He's not adding anything to society. And sounds like he's probably very likely going to move back to Japan <laughs> and not have to pay California tax at $68 million a year. Yeah. Um, like, is that really going to make a dent in the California, uh, uh tax budget? I, I don't know. Maybe,
0: uh, but I don't think it's, that's. Anything. It's not a small amount. Six hundred and eighty million dollars is how much he's likely yeah, going to avoid. California's
1: economy has like one of the yeah. it's like I the know. largest com, uh, countries. But it's itself. still
0: it's like it adds to. I get it, right? Like, oh, not only does he get seven hundred million, but they've concocted it in a way where he gets to avoid taxes on that. And it right. just makes it feel like even more bullshit. And yeah. and if somebody feels, like, I have like, uh,
1: they they are they are totally in their right. I don't disagree with them at all. My only pushback on that is like. That is currently how that skill set is valued in today's mm-hmm. world. Is that a good thing? Probably not. Should teachers be making more money? <laughs> like are much other things more important. Yeah. Of course they are. But this is our little capitalist hellhole that we get to live in. Right. And like you said, I would much rather that massive amount of money go to Shohei Otani, who is kind and charitable and cares about yeah. other people than the Guggenheim group <laughs> holding on yeah. to it and filling their coffers, like you said, so I get both sides um but you know it it is what it is, and uh I think bullshit is a, a good term to throw. it is bullshit,
0: yeah i we there there need I don't know what the solution is here, but like if it continues down this road where contracts get more and more there's more and more fuckery in the contracts, I do think it's going to impact people's willingness to get into the sport.
1: I I agree. I do think like the other part, like the CBA or the, the uh, players group likes this, like
0: the players, Mm -hmm. uh, the players, uh, they,
1: they like to be able to say we have a $700 million player.
0: Yeah. They passed Um, 500 million, 600 million, all that, you know, like there's a whole new bar now.
1: Yeah. But, like I said earlier, the player has to agree to it, which I think mm-hmm. is the le- the least likely thing to happen going forward. And I truly believe the only reason that Shohei agreed to it is because of his endorsement yeah, deals. He's already, and I think the yeah. endorsement deals are about to go through the roof. Yeah. Playing for the Dodgers every day.
0: Yeah, and the way our finance wor- like industry works, like if he needs more money now for some reason every bank in the universe is like hell yeah <laughs> give money to like that's yeah. that's why we when we talk about like these billionaires too where it's like you reach a level of of money where it doesn't mean anything anymore you have access to anything and everything that you will ever need at either a low interest rate or no interest rate at all because you have access to unlimited money so uh- that was kind of my big takeaway from this is that like money's fake. The world doesn't mean anything. Like what's but the difference not with- for everyone else. It means nothing for these people, but right. if you're out there and you are trying to decide what you want to support. Oh, oh no, no. <laughs>
1: but I, yeah, I'm talking to these yeah. people up in this upper echelon. Yeah.
0: Let's give them half a billion dollars. Ah, how about yeah, three quarters of
1: Yeah, we'll yeah. figure it
0: out. Oh man, my, Well, wow, We'll have to only refill the, yacht that uh, has a thousand staff on it you know once a year instead of twice
1: and like how about this nate like if they if the dodgers want to they could take that 460 million pay him two million dollars a year put that 460 million in an account that's making five percent over the next 10 years and the dodgers can significantly cut this bill in half just by the sake of being already extremely wealthy it is bullshit
0: what's that quote compound interest is the most uh Powerful thing in the universe or whatever. Yeah, I don't know. There's, yeah. a, there's a Albert Einstein. The most powerful force in the universe is compound interest. <laughs> yeah. Um,
1: and you know when I hear things like this, I'm like, there's so much money in the world, and I have so little of it. But well, you yeah,
0: because it's all here. It's all yeah. in the. You know, I, I'm very so. I'm very ranty right now. Uh, yeah. If you if you want more of this, join join our capitalist in, uh, endeavor. The bird scored. Um, yeah. <laughs> so hey we're we're a pro labor podcast we'll just leave it there yeah so I'll stop ranting now but that's that's my only real concern with this contract and then on the field fuck the Dodgers man Betts Freeman Otani now they're gonna go and get Glasnow and Yamamoto and it's like they're building baseball's they're, version of the super team. and yeah. it's gonna be hilarious when they lose in four to the Phillies in the first round of the playoffs. <laughs> that is
1: the good thing about baseball, is yep. that they're the crucible of the playoffs. Uh, you know, yep. you win 116 games in the in the in the regular season, and you still I gotta to
0: win that series. Bottom half of their lineup's not that great you know well, sure they might have the best one two three of all time but <laughs> i saw people calling
1: the the left side of the infield week and it's like max muncie muncie a multi-time all-star and yeah. gavin lux who was once regarded as one of the top prospects in baseball it's like shut up
0: yeah and that's now that's yes. before they go and whatever whoever else they're gonna get yeah you know? and i'm sure steve cohen of the mets he's like what you know and he's gonna go and buy a bunch of guys too so yeah I anyway. will say just from a
1: selfish, uh, a, a, a standpoint, uh, only my uh, perspective is that living in Denver and the mm-hmm. Dodgers coming here fairly often. I'm quite excited to be able to watch Shohei Hey, play uh, semi regularly.
0: <laughs> yeah. It's going to hit 500 foot uh, dongs. Like you can go wh- whatever that street is there. That, that is like street. Yeah. Yeah. look out everyone. Otani's coming to town. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, yeah. Anyways, yeah. All right. What else? You, what else is going on around the league? I've, I've taken up too much time. Ranting. Yeah.
1: Uh, the Giants have signed it, uh, signed it, uh, have signed Korean outfielder Jung Hoo Lee uh, for a six year, one hundred and thirteen million dollar contract. He is a twenty uh, five year old center fielder, lefty, uh, high on base, low strike strikeout guy. Uh, and the Giants finally get a player. Um, yeah. Not judge, not Otani. Uh but this guy.
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, uh, uh I don't know a lot about him, but he's been very good in the KBO. And um from my understanding, um, you know, the, the I, I've seen him described as a Brendan Donovan that can play center field. Um yeah. and that's certainly appealing. We already talked about the value of a Brendan Donovan, and if he was a above average center fielder, you can certainly see why that would be uh valuable in yeah, um, six years, one thirteen. You know, nice deal. No 700 million. (laughs) Uh,
1: You know, Hassan Kim uh, walked so this guy could run. I'm curious to see Mm -hmm. if more uh, uh, if KBO get the guys get a little bit more money going forward. This guy's also a pretty special player. So, yeah, we'll see. Uh, The Royals make a couple of moves. They sign right hander Seth Lugo to a three year, 45 million dollar deal. And they also get Chris Stratton for two years, eight million dollars.
0: Yeah, I I do think this is interesting, you know. First of all, good for Chris Stratton. It's a it's a good deal. He's he's getting, you know, he's getting a bag for being a uh, like a sort of utility left-hander, like, you know, he's now a has near generational wealth. Or sorry, righty. So, uh, you know, good for him. Um, it's a fine deal. The Lugo one is interesting and because you know, he's a guy that we had in the big pile of options that Lynn yep. and Gibson also sit in. Um but the fact that he got 345 like would you, would you have rather them signed Seth Lugo for 345 than Lynn for 110 with an option or or Gibson for 112 with an option
1: No I don't th- I was thinking about this earlier I don't think so if it would have been Seth Lugo 2 for 30 mm-hmm. um but that third year he's yeah he doesn't have the strikeout stuff. He doesn't have like not enough of a track record. I wouldn't be willing to make that bet, uh but I think it's a good signing for the
0: Royals. Sure. Yeah, because a- a- the Royals need that sort of thing too. Um it did make me think like a, a potential mark in the favor of Mazalek, and we like to give him shit for the-, the being aggressive. We just we just did that. Um like if it if it turns out that Lynn and Gibson were really the only guys that were like out of the box okay with one year deals and yep. everyone else in this bucket that we've talked about are looking for two, three, four year deals and might be getting them like Seth Lugosha yep. is showing then it does make sense that they rushed out and signed Gibson and Lynn um because those are contra- there's no such thing as a bad one year deal right and so yep. like I'm much I I also am am happier with Lynn and Gibson on their one year deals than than Lugo for 3. Like we hope yeah. to not need a Seth Lugo for 3 more years. You e- know?
1: Exactly my thought. Yeah. Um and I also think like Lugo is at the stage in his career and development and yada 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 where he's he was going to just take the most money um cuz he he has this one good opportunity, proved himself as a starter, yeah. go make the bag. It, it makes sense. Um and yeah. and good for him. Um I'm actually surprised the Mets didn't bring him back. They they yeah. probably could have used a Seth Lugo next year, but uh Anyways, uh, the Pirates have decided to uh, to sign first baseman Rowdy Tellez one year, three point two million. He stays in the Central. We Nate. can't avoid him. No, we it's can't. Getting
0: Rowdy in the NL Central. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, probably a fine deal. Uh, hopefully, yeah. he hits a couple of splash hits in PNC. Um, but yeah, you know, Pirates yeah. uh, they suck. Yeah. <laughs> uh, in other Pirates news, their super prospect catcher Andy Rodriguez underwent surgery to repair his ucl and flexor tendon in his throwing arm he'll be out all of next year
0: yeah it's a bummer pirates Like I, I want to root for the pirates um and that just
1: sucks mm-hmm. so he'll be special when he when he comes up yeah uh the reds signed third baseman utility infielder Haim, J, jamier jamier am i saying that I thought it was yaimar yaimar Jamer? Jamer? Jamer Candelario. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably Jamer. Yeah, uh, Three years, $45 million gets the Seth Lugo deal. You and I, we were talking about this maybe in the bird Um Why the Reds feel they need another infielder is beyond me,
0: um, but they got their guy. Yeah, I guess, you know, it really is almost all upside right now on, on the Reds, but there's also a chance that like half these dudes don't stick. Right. right? Um, so it, they're like the last team I would have expected to sign an infielder, um but this guy does bring at least to some degree a sure thing to their infield full right. of a lot of young guys, so I think it's some insurance to ensure bad sentence that wow. that their infield like if somehow all these guys collapse, they have him, you yeah. know I'm sure we're getting some veteran presence narrative yeah. there sure. as well, you know. Uh, the Dodgers signed
1: Joe Kelly to a one-year, $8 million deal. Um, yeah. They also made a trade with the Yankees. They sent Victor Gonzalez and an infield prospect named Jorbit Vives, uh from the Dodgers to the Yankees. The Yan- Yankees send back uh, uh, minor league infielder Trey Sweeney. Um, so interesting deal is really just to make room for Otani though. So, yeah. you know,
0: whatever. And, and Joe Kelly. Um, yeah, actually I was kinda surprised that the the, the Trey Sweeney is is a, a prospect of note. Like he he yeah. shows up on lists. So I kind of thought it was just gonna be a pure dump. Um, but they actually got somebody of of note. Um so of course the Dodgers add to their, yeah. you know, still <laughs> yeah. stacked farm system. Why not? Um but the best part about the Joe Kelly stuff, besides just it's Joe Kelly and you know, we love Joe Kelly. Good for him for continuing to be on in, you know, big teams. Um, did you see all the stuff where like, so he wore number 17 yeah. as a Dodger and yeah. that's what Otani wears. So yeah, he was joking on like who gets to wear, you know, 17. And that was funny.
1: Yeah. Uh, Roki Sasaki, uh, Nippon professional baseball league, starting pitcher, superstar, um, has mm. requests to be posted by his team. Chiba lot. Marines, uh, it seems like this request is likely to be denied, but we do not know yet. Um, yeah. And I will just say, if this happens, uh, all hell is going to break loose. Uh, Shoto Imanaga, obviously still out there. Yoshi Yamamoto is still out there. Um, and I don't know, this this is hyperbolic, but Roki Sasaki and Yoshi Yamamoto are, if one is 1A, the other one is 1B, they yeah. are both extremely talented, extremely young Um We'll see what happens there. It's a it's a ma-
0: it's a seismic shift to the entire off season as far as options that are out there now. If you missed on Otani, you still have Yamamoto. If you miss on him, you've got Roki Sasaki. Like, it's almost like I don't want it to happen this off season. I yeah. want it to be next year when the Cardinals maybe have more, you know, uh, money. I don't know. It, yeah. It's crazy though. But if I'm also was- excited for him to maybe be in the MLB.
1: We'll see. Uh, And then final point of news, David Rubenstein and a group of uh, rich guys are reportedly in talks to purchase the Baltimore Orioles away from the Angelos family. Um, And I think that uh, while we don't know much about Rubenstein, can't be worse than the Angelos. So uh, it'd be nice to get the Angelos family out of baseball and bring Rubenstein and his group in. But we shall see what happens
0: there. I hope this set of rich dudes is better than that set of rich dudes.
1: I don't, I don't mean to be morbid, uh, but I did throw in here. He's 74 years old and it see, I don't know if this is true or if this is just how I feel based on anecdotal evidence, but it seems that the more decrepit set of owners are more interested in winning now mm-hmm. because of time frame reasons. Yeah. Um, I think of Mike Illich, I think of uh, uh, Peter Seidler and I'm not trying to be a,
0: Monster, but I I like. You know what I'm getting at? I do. I think it's funny that you use the word decrepit as (laughs) simply a description of being old. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, there's probably you are 74 years old. You are inherently decrepit. Yeah, according to Ben,
1: at least from where I'm sitting, you know, at my. Uh, yeah well I'll, yeah. I'll leave it there but anyways it could wow. could be a good thing we'll see
0: what happens uh, and that's all I got all right let's wrap this up Ben we're returning to a game uh, the the Cardinal that we've played before uh, the Cardinals have recently released um, a set of promotion nights for uh, 2024 you and I have talked to memorabilia a little bit recently and, and there's been some there was a great conversation in the in the bird scored about everybody's Cardinal memorabilia So got me thinking about that, and uh, we are returning to a little game I call Theme Night or Dream Night. (laughs) The way this works is I have a list of uh, theme nights from uh, any level of baseball. So a lot of these are for the minors, and uh, some of them are real, and some of them I made up. All right. And you have to tell me, is this a theme night or is it a dream night? Understand the rules. I get it. Okay.
1: First one: the twisted mind of Nate Heininger. <laughs> Math Day. Um, that is, I think that's a real night. I think uh, I could see the ba- the team like, uh, if you bring in your your uh, your report card or something like that, you get a, a free hot dog or something. I'm, I'm going to say that's a real one. For the kid. it was a real
0: one. They actually even set up uh, like a little classroom at the stadium and let a, a class like be held at the stadium. That sounds awesome. Yeah. All right. Number two, make your own hot dog night.
1: Hmm. Make your own hot dog night. I mean, I guess I could see them putting out the accoutrements for like a, a hot dog bar and. Oh, you could put Cheerios on your hot dog or uh, uh, jelly or, uh, you know, all kinds of crazy combinations. Um, but it also seems like something that you would really like <laughs> that you might just make up because you're a little hot dog eater. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I'm going to say I'm going to say
0: this is a Nate creation. I'm going to say it's a dream night, even though it's plausible. You got me, Ben. Make your own hot dog night. I When I imagined it, I was actually thinking of like the worst version of it where you they're like grinding up the meat together. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no. The moment you started describing your version of make your own hot, hot dog. And I was like, Oh, it's actually a pretty good idea. I had a, <laughs> I had a nightmare version. Yeah. No, um, thanks. Dream more like nightmare. Okay. Ben. Yes. Top ham day. Oh God. um,
1: Top ham day. I could see like a minor league ballpark. Like last time I went to a minor league baseball game, they had like a whole petting zoo and goats and mini horses and stuff like that. I, I mm-hmm. wouldn't be surprised if this is some country shit where you bring your hog, uh, at the ballpark. I'm going to say, I'm going to say that's real.
0: You're on a roll. The Lehigh Valley iron pigs hosted top wow. ham day. Wow. Okay. I was Moving right on. on all accounts there. Yeah uh asparagus night
1: (laughs) um hmm. i can't conceive of what that could possibly mean other than you bring i I don't it's not like you can eat asparagus raw you can't like bring yours from home i guess you could eat it raw real asparagus
0: aficionados actually say you're supposed to eat it raw
1: yeah like if you shave it and put it in a salad Mm -hmm. that's not bad um aficionado shut up uh i'm gonna say that's a
0: real night because i don't think he would make that up man you're reading me like a book today man yeah. uh that is true asparagus night was a real night that tell sounds, you what sounds dumb i don't want to go around the urinals on that night hey am i right a gross
1: that that is gross all right
0: milk day <laughs>
1: milk day um that also sounds very plausible i'm gonna say that that's a uh that's a theme night
0: finally got you ben milk day i made that one up
1: (laughs) what in your mind what is milk day that is exactly what it sounds like okay just just bring bring glasses of milk yeah we're (laughs) always having milk all right it's milk day sure all right salute to hambone Uh, You're trying to. I think you're trying to trick me on this one, Nate. Although I can't believe I've never been cordially invited to. Salute to Hambone. What is Hambone? Um, I think you're trying to trick me. I'm going to say that is a real theme night. It is a real theme night. So it
0: is again the Lehigh Valley Iron Pigs. Oh my God! Apparently they do like the in. Stadium races or whatever, and one uh, of the characters okay. is Hambone, and uh, <laughs> okay. this was a salute to Hambone Day.
1: I expect an email from that team. Yeah. All right. Big bushy beard day. Big bushy beard day. Big bushy beard day. Alliteration is fun. Mm-hmm. You could see this being you or a team because alliteration is fun. Um, I'm going to say based on nothing. That this is a Nate creation, a dream night. Damn
0: it. He, yep, you got it. It's a dream night. Big Bushy Beard Day. I think that'd be a great time. <laughs> oh, sure. You
1: People can do show it at the uh,
0: Field. Give out like Charlie
1: Blackman Oh, things. yeah. They sell like foam Charlie Blackman beards. They're fun. There you go.
0: Big Bushy Beard Day. All right. I got two more for you. All right. Conspiracy Night. Oh, God. I hope this is
1: fake. Um, conspiracies used to be fun uh Mm -hmm. i'm gonna say that this is oh although there's teams in like like the isotopes i could see having a conspiracy night and having actual fun with it Uh, i'm
0: gonna say it's a theme night it's a real one it is a real night conspiracy night yep um yeah i hope it's like you know uh the the we fake the moon landing or like bigfoot's real and not like Hillary Clinton eats babies. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, All right. One last one for you. All right. Hot ham and cheese day. (laughs) Oh, that's just a a good day
1: for the whole family. I hope to God that's real. I'm going to say theme night real. No, it is but a dream, my dear boy. (laughs) Oh, come on, teams.
0: Step (laughs) up. Someone's got to have a hot ham and cheese day. Yeah, it sounds great. Right. All right. Ben, you got seven of ten correct pretty hey, good. yeah it's passing grade I'll take it yep so that was dream night or theme night and uh that'll do it for this week a lot to talk about uh despite a the the cold stove as was discussed last week it's actually we've had a lot to talk about as cargo yeah. fans uh and we're already halfway into December so uh the the schedule will continue at some point we need to discuss our bad movie episode again we're yep. we're going to do a baseball bad baseball movie episode again although it wasn't a bad movie last time it was one of the greatest movies yeah. I've ever seen
1: hit um, us up on Twitter uh, if you're in the bird squad. give us suggestions what, what movie should we watch Nate's still never seen major league Nate's still never seen
0: um, Well, those are good baseball movies yeah. I want to watch another uh absurd one but yeah uh, okay. maybe we'll do a little bit of both so all right Uh, yeah so if you have ideas on what we should watch let us know and uh, we'll be back next week Um, and until then Cardinals go sign Yamamoto and Roki Sasaki and Imanaga and Imanaga okay bye bye
1: he's being so cute on my lap
0: Oh, little baby girl <laughs> we need to get our cats on the podcast more yeah that's what the people want to hear i think meow 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 yeah. meow yeah <laughs> cat language <laughs> ah you speak cat <laughs> meow meow right. meow